I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Chuck Kessler, CISO of Duke Health, and John Nye, Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy at security consulting firm Synergistic. We're here at HIMSS 18, where Chuck and John have presented on the importance of pen testing. First of all, John, you work with a lot of different healthcare entities. What are you seeing in terms of penetration testing? Is this something that's mostly done by more mature organizations, or is it becoming more mainstream for healthcare entities? Yeah, I think it's becoming more mainstream. We're seeing it more frequently in smaller organizations. You know, 50-bed hospitals will have a pen test done, and I think that that is a very good move. The industry needs to be testing these systems more frequently and then fixing what they find. Chuck, tell us a little bit about your organization's approach to pen testing. For instance, is this something that you do in-house? Do you do it with contractors? How often do you do the testing? And what are you generally looking for during the testing? Sure. Well, we uh, we employ a hybrid approach where we have an external firm that we bring in at least once a year, sometimes multiple times a year, to do a third-party view of our network or maybe specific systems that we're interested in taking a look at. But we also maintain an internal capability with an penetration tester as part of my team. Possibly going to be adding more uh, to that because just the scope of what we need to look at. We you know we would like to have that visibility and and uh, more resources will be better in that regard. But we're we're looking at everything from networks. We're looking at network device configurations. We're looking at patching of, of servers and and laptops and, and workstations. We're looking at applications. Web applications in particular tend to be a, a, a very fertile ground for attacks. And so we want to make sure we're proactively identifying those vulnerabilities. A lot of those vulnerabilities, particularly on the web applications, can't be found by a simple vulnerability scan like, like you would get out of a, a product uh, like a, a Nessus or a Qualys or something of that nature. Those, good, those products are good at finding vulnerabilities, but they're sophisticated vulnerabilities that they may, they may not catch that the penetration test will help highlight. The penetration test will also help us prioritize the, the findings coming out of those scanners. Um, so that gives us the uh, the ability to understand what things that we need to, to fix first, because that's really the key. We, there's so many things that you need to fix, but you need to focus on the areas that are going to be the highest risk. The penetration test gives us that visibility, so that's how we approach it. And when you do penetration testing, what sorts of issues do you generally find, and how do you approach mitigating those issues once you find them? Sure. What used to be you would find a lot of unpatched vulnerabilities, systems that hadn't been patched. I would say in terms of actual findings that are exploitable these days, at least in our environment, that that doesn't tend to be the issue. But what we might find are things that are more particular to a, a, a specific application or a configuration on the system that maybe is a little bit more custom in nature. Again, not something that a scanner is necessarily going to find, but might take a couple of vulnerabilities chained together for the, uh, for the penetration tester to be able to exploit. But uh, again, it's one of those things where if you just focus on the critical vulnerabilities, sometimes you might miss those because those those couple of vulnerabilities you have to chain together might be medium or high priorities in terms of if you just looked at them individually. So again, that's why it's important to get this you know specialized expertise in to, to help you understand those in the context of your environment. Now, John, when you work with healthcare clients, what's often overlooked with their pen testing? For instance, do they test their medical devices? Are there do's and don'ts about you know involving medical devices in these tests? So yes, uh, we frequently see medical devices left off the scope list. It's understandable; they're not they're not cheap and they're easy to break, but they're still an attack vector, so they should be looked at. What we're seeing some of the more mature organizations doing is giving us a sampling, so a single insulin pump, a single infusion pump that is like all the others. And we test that one. If it breaks, it's not the end of the world. So that's that's what we're seeing more frequently now. Now, John, some federal contracts, like 
the Office of Personnel Management and the insurers that provide health benefits to federal workers, they are generally required to have pen testing done, but in some cases the insurers have refused to have the HHS OIG come in to do the pen testing because the insurer will say, oh, it's too risky. What are the risks that organizations should be aware of if they do agree to do the pen testing? Absolutely. So penetration testing can cause systems to just drop offline. They, it could also cause corruption, especially in medical devices, IoT devices, really cheap devices, you know, like IP cameras. We can very easily break. So that's something you got to watch for. Also, impact on production systems, you know, because we're we're running scans against all of those systems. They're hitting them with thousands of packets at sometimes and it could very well slow the systems down it could it could stop a system from being accessible so it's it's all got to be considered and that is all part of the letter of authorization initially so we make sure always before a pen test to look at what systems not to touch and what systems to touch and what the potential impacts are now chuck aside from pen testing are there any other top priorities you have this year when it comes to cybersecurity initiatives at duke Oh, we, um, we have a, a basically a three-year plan that we're executing in, so there's, there's always a new priority once we get uh, one big project off the plate. Uh, some of the things that we're focusing on this year, for example, is network access control. So we've, we've over time, we've built up a, a good inventory of our systems, uh, what's called a configuration management database. What we're now doing is, is saying, hey, if you're not in that configuration management database and if you don't meet our security standards, we're not going to give you full access to the network. And being able to do that in an automated fashion with something like network access control will help us, we hope, keep you know those weak systems in a uh, more secure part of our network so they can't affect the rest of our environment. So that's one of our big priorities and in, in the past we've uh, we've been doing a big mobile device management project uh, taking and uh, involving our past uh, MDM solution into a, a more sophisticated version so we're looking at, at better management around uh, bring your own device personal devices that are being brought into our network so that and this you know ongoing uh, assessment of, of everything that's on our network you know we're looking at the risks of unpatched vulnerabilities in the biomedical devices as John just mentioned I think that's a that's a huge concern for us as well we're taking a very similar approach at looking at things in, in a test lab environment and making sure that uh, that we understand what those vulnerabilities are before we put them onto the network. And finally Chuck as a CISO in the healthcare sector right now what is the one thing in terms of emerging threats that kind of keeps you up at night? Oh uh, what keeps me up at night there's there are a ton of things I, I think just the complexity of our healthcare networks and the the speed at which innovation happens you know new systems coming into our network new IT systems that, that quite frankly nobody fully understands potentially being plugged into our network and again becoming a, a vulnerability that's why that network access control system can be so important for us is that we, we kind of will have a better management function around those unknown devices. Zero-day vulnerabilities like we saw last uh, year with Eternal Blue that turned into WannaCry and NotPetya, those ransomware attacks. I mean, obviously, everybody's very concerned about ransomware and the impact on, on healthcare organizations. But, you know, you have to look at how those things are actually happening. And it's, again, some of those vulnerabilities that are not being patched. It all kind of goes back to patching to some degree. And particularly in those cases, you need to understand once an event like that has occurred, what's your exposure and being able to find that exposure pretty quickly. And Again, potentially isolating those systems so that they, uh, if they are compromised, they, that can be contained and not spread throughout the rest of the network. Network segmentation is something that I would strongly suggest healthcare organizations that haven't done that yet, if they're still running a, as we call it, a big flat network without uh, uh, separation between different parts. You know, for example, the biomedical devices may not be able to, or should not be able to talk directly to, say, a workstation on the uh, on the network. So that workstation is compromised; it can talk directly to the biomedical device. And just having simple segmentation like that, so that so that traffic 
that can be contained within a certain area. And if there is a, a compromise of some sort, that that may not expand to a broader area of the network. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, John. I've been speaking to Chuck Kessler and John Nye. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.